If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Genesis chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got it here on the screen, and we also would love to give you one as a gift to you. But we've been teaching through the last several weeks what the mission and vision of Revolution Church is. The reason why it's so important to come back around that is so that we don't get off track, so that we don't understand or misunderstand what we're doing here or what the purpose is, because if we're not careful, we'll just start playing church. We'll just start kind of doing what we do and kind of getting into the rhythm of what we do, and they call those ruts, right? Unless it's deer season, a rut is not good, all right? And so if you don't know anything about that, don't worry about it. You ain't redneck like the rest of us, all right? But when we get into ruts, what begins to happen is, is we just kind of get in these patterns and we don't really know why we're doing what we're doing. And so for us as a church, it's really good for us to step back and look at mission and vision and kind of evaluate ourselves to say, man, let's remind ourselves, here's why we're here. Here's why we exist. And then within that, our hope is each and every one of us individually will do the same thing, kind of have a step back moment where we look at our life and we start to judge our life from the outside in and saying, okay, what is the mission and vision of my life? Because my contention is it's the same as the mission and vision of the church. And so the reason why we're coming back around this as a church is I just believe this is the mission and vision of your life. And the reason why I believe this is the mission and vision of your life is because this is what God told the very first human beings to do. All right. This is what he commanded them to do. And that's what we've been looking at in Genesis chapter one. So I'm going to start in Genesis chapter one, and then we'll get to Genesis chapter six. In Genesis chapter one, I've already covered this verse, but again, it's good to come back to. So Genesis chapter one, verse 28, it says, and God blessed them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and what? Multiply. You got to say that like you mean it. All right, let's try it again. Be fruitful and what? multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the first thing that we see that we talked in the first week is that God blessed them. And and my contention to you then was God's blessing is so much more than financial, man. That's one of the great indictments on us is we think blessing is just material things. But, but blessing is so much more than just material things. It's emotional things. It's spiritual things. And, and the whole point is whether whatever it is, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, it all comes from God. Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from God. And so the whole contention of the Bible is simply this. God wants to bless you. And I think we forget that. Because again, depending upon your church tradition or how you grew up, most people, when they think about God, is God is just this old man upstairs that's mad at everybody and has looked to strike somebody down with lightning. People say that all the time. And like, I can't come to church. He's going to strike me with lightning. You don't think he can do it outside of church? I mean, come on, let's be honest, right? Like, I don't want to cost in church because outside there is okay. But our mentality about who God is, is so biblically off. Because God is not looking to whom he may devour. That's the devil. The devil is the one who walks around seeking whom he might destroy. But Jesus said, I've come for you to have life. And life more what? You know it. Abundantly, man. And so here's what I want you to first see. God wants to bless you. That's the kind of God he is. God is not withholding blessings because he's cruel. God is not blessing you just simply because he just wants to watch you squirm. 
But sometimes in our lives, God will pull back a specific blessing to help us understand that the greatest thing that he can bless us with is himself. He is the blessing. He is the blessing. That's why the Bible always says when he would ever speak to somebody, he would say, but I am with you. I am with you. My presence will go with you. Because the greatest blessing God can give us is himself, and that's what they experienced. God was with them. He walked with them in the cool of the day. Can you imagine that? Like you're chilling in a beautiful garden, and here comes God. Man, I can't wait till heaven. I got to be honest with you. And it's not because I get to see family members and you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's great, but I can't wait to see God. And and I know when I see him, as the Bible describes, we will all fall down because he is glory. I mean, he made the sun and I can't even look into that. I used to tell teenagers, like, look into the sun and that's how great God is. And then I thought, well, that'll burn your retina. Don't do it. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, I can't even see something he made. How glorious is he? And he wants to bless me. He wants to bless you. And so God is a God of blessing. And when he blesses, then he wants us to do what he commands us to do with the blessing, which is two things. And this is what we talked about last week, to be fruitful and multiply, to be fruitful and multiply. God wants us to be personally fruitful in every area. And then he wants us to multiply that fruitfulness into others. So that's the mission and vision of our lives, and therefore it's the mission and vision of the church. And I talked about this last week, that our mission is to help people grow, to be fruitful, and then to multiply that into more people. And this all came about, we we had the mission of our church down. When I moved here 10 years ago, this was the mission of our church. We want to grow people. And then seven years in, in 2017, we really felt led by the Lord to say, you know what? God has grown us. We have been fruitful, not just in quantity, but quality. And we want to multiply that. What God has blessed us with as a church, we want to multiply that. And so we started an initiative in 2017. And some of you were here then. Some of you weren't here then. That's okay. But several hundred families committed to give to that mission and vision as a church to multiply. And I told you this last week, and I just want to update you again before we jump into the text, that back in 2017, we as a church made a commitment. We pledged together $3,038,660 to give towards this mission and vision of multiplying as a church. And what's been amazing is to see how God has already started doing that. I mean, we just started serving the city, seeking the welfare of the cities to which God has sent us. And just a couple of highlighted things I want to share with you. One is we were serving the city through our Serve Saturday here in downtown Canton first and then in Jasper second. And one of the needs that we saw in downtown Canton was there's a pretty large Spanish-speaking population that would never come to a primarily English-speaking church. And the reason being is because of the language barrier. And so one of the needs that came out of that was they need English as a second language, ESL. And so we started an ESL program at the beginning of 2018. And now that meets weekly during the school year on Wednesdays. Here's what's crazy. At another church. 
And about 70 people have tended uh, on average and 20 people through that have trusted Christ. And our hope is to turn that into an outreach center, a downtown Spanish speaking campus to multiply that. And it's been amazing to see how God has worked. Speaking of working with other churches, here's, I know it's crazy. You're like, y'all like other churches? Yeah, we're on the same team. It's crazy, man. But now we started a church planning network with us in Cross Point City Church. It's in Cartersville. Love Cartersville. And um, they got a great football team, I've heard. And, and we started a church planning network with them, North Metro Church in Marietta, LifeBridge Church in Kennesaw. Now we planted our first church together, Creekside Church. I brought the pastor of that church on stage last year. They launched out in September of this year, had over 300 people uh, there, five baptisms on their launch Sunday. And that was all because of our generosity as a church. We started another church called Crossover Church Atlanta or ATL. It's down literally like a mile from the Mercedes-Benz Center. And they just started at the end of September, had over 400 people at their launch service. And that was all because of the generosity of our church. I, I hope you'll clap at some point during this thing. All right, that's good. Just, just making sure you're alive out there, all right? And then not only that, here's what's crazy. Working with other churches to do that. Working with other churches to plant more churches. And we've got a guy right now going through assessment that we hope to launch in 2020 in Augusta. Because I hear you can do more than just play golf out there, all right? And so we want to plan. So I'll be bringing him up on stage sometime next year. And he's coming out of one of our local churches, out of North Metro Church, where we're working together as churches to plant more churches and multiply. Then out of our own church, we launched two churches in Kenya, Africa. And you've, I mean, if you've been around here for any amount of time, if you haven't been living under a rock, we talk about those and you see it all, all the time. We planted two churches there, and those two churches, one's running about 230, one's running about 60. Over 70 people have trusted Christ through the ministry of those churches. Yeah. Come on, somebody. And then our, we just had a team that just got back from there, and Swift, who was leading worship today in Canton, we were just talking about it. And he says, man, it blew me away when we drove out in the middle of nowhere. And then all up, we roll up on this building. And then there's a sign that says Revolution Church. I'm like, I know. It's a trip. I said, I'll never forget when we rolled up and I saw it. I started bawling like a baby, like ugly cry, like the type of cry that my daughter wants to see, which I don't know why, because that's really weird. Because she, she sees my, her mom do it, but doesn't see me do it as much. And so every time I cry and she's not around, she gets mad. But straight up. Man, we rolled up and man, it's crazy. And now seeing how God, and he said, man, I'll never be the same. Worshiping in these villages and, and, and planting more churches. And then arguably one of the greatest success stories, we, in 2017, we launched our Jasper location. Meeting, again, just seeking the welfare of the city, meeting in Pickens County High School. And since we launched that location, over 100 people have trusted Christ Woo! since, yeah. Man. Now, our average attendance there, which is not about this, but it's just a, a sign of, of God's growth, is over 340 people a weekend, which isn't far off from what we were averaging when my family moved here 10 years ago as a church. And then we have the unique opportunity sometime in 2020. People are like, when's the new building in Jasper going to be? It's going to be done in 2020, all right? And so some point at the beginning of the year. And then we're going to transition from a portable environment to a permanent environment. And just knowing what God did in Canton, man, 
And so when I'm, when I'm talking about multiplying, I want you to understand it's at every level, micro to micro, micro to macro. And we're starting to see that happen. And that's why generosity is so important. So just a quick update, and then we'll move into the sermon. So far, what people have given to this, what we've received, is $1,564,274, which is more than the number I told you last week. Yeah. It's more than what I told you last week, because people are giving. But we've got a big giving day coming up December 15th, all right? So I want you to write that down. December 15th, it's our Multiply Giving Day. And we're asking everybody in our church to give. This is what we used to call when we went, when I used to go to the skating rink, we called it an all skate. All right. Remember that? Anybody remember going to the skating rink, man? If you're under 20, you're like, what is that? It's a rink that we used to go to, not ice skating, roller skating. All right. Not, not on this single blade stuff on four wheels, homie. It was much safer back then. And, um, and all skate is when they called over the announcement, it's an all skate, everybody onto the floor. So it didn't matter if you could skate good or you weren't skating good or you were on a little trolley thing riding around. Everybody on the floor, all right? This is one of those moments as a church because what God is doing here is great. And here's what I would like to say to you, and we're gonna talk more about this. Being a part of it is even greater. And so we are asking everybody in our church because God has blessed us at all different levels to jump in. And, and especially if you pledge, but especially even if you didn't pledge, we've got that coming up December 15th, all right? Genesis 6, let's go. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1, work our way down to verse 8. It says this, when man began to multiply, when man began to what? Multiply. multiply. You see that word a lot in the, in the Bible, especially in the beginning. It's almost like God was serious about it. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, I don't have enough time to get into all the theology of this. It's like, what is the sons of God? What is the daughters of men? Uh, sometime we'll do a whole series on that because it's fascinating stuff. Uh, a book that I would highly recommend to you called Supernatural. I've read it if you want to kind of know what I think. Um, it really, really helped me to kind of put some pieces together. It's a fascinating study. Several guys in our church have read it. And whenever they read it, like, dude, this is incredible. I'm like, I know it's amazing. But here's what we need to know. It doesn't really matter if the sons of God, because some people think those are angels. Some people think that's kings. It doesn't really matter who the sons of, God's are, sons of God are. What matters is what they did. Because the Bible is telling us. It says, when man began to multiply, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive. They saw, and then look at the next thing they did. And they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. This is not God saying that every human is going to live to 120 years because we know that doesn't happen. In fact, very few people now live to 120. But what this is a reference to is before this time, mankind lived eight to 900 years. I mean, can you fathom that? Like your 30s and your 40s would be the 300s and the 400s. Like over the hill wouldn't be a decade. <laughs> it would be a century. Can you fathom this? Like you would talk, you wouldn't say my 30s and my 40s. You're like, bro, back in my 300s and my 400s. I don't know if you went bald then at 40 or 400, all right? I don't know. But here's what I know. 
The Bible says, when man began to multiply. Here's what I would like to submit to you today. It's not a question of if you are going to multiply. It's simply a question of what. It's not a question of if. It's a question of what. So the title of today's message is simply this, multipliers, because you are already a multiplier. You already multiply. The question is not if, because the Bible doesn't say if man began to multiply, it says when. So man multiplied. And what they multiplied was they multiplied things that were outside the boundaries of God that they took. The Bible calls that wickedness. Look at verse five. Skip down to verse five from verse three. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So here's what I want you to see. God gave them a command, be fruitful and multiply. But then they went outside the boundaries of God of what he set up. And we know that because the Bible describes it as they saw something that was attractive and they wanted it. So they took it. And let me just ask a simple question. How many times in your life have you gone outside something God said because you found that something to be attractive? Now, it's really easy to talk about men and men finding women attractive, which obviously is the contextual verse here, which I would just like to submit to you, men, if you don't think that God is real, the Bible just called you out. The Bible is emotionally honest. It knows you. I mean, this is Genesis 6, bro. Genesis 6. And in Genesis 4, you got one man killing another man. So in 4, you got men in competition killing. In 6, you got men finding women attractive. The Bible knows you. And in both instances, they choose, operative word there, choose what they want, what they find attractive, and they take it. They take it. My friends, I want you to understand something. God creates boundaries for a reason. He creates boundaries because he understands that our heart always wants to push those boundaries and go outside of what he created. But when we do that and we take matters into our own hands and choose what we want, we are now no longer multiplying God's will, but we are multiplying the devil's will, which is evil. And I just want you to see that. That when God made man, he gave them a command to be blessed, be fruitful, multiply to multiply the blessings. And so here's what I want you to see. Not only does God want us to be fruitful, but he wants us to multiply the fruitfulness. But because we are attracted to things, we find things attractive. And, and, and please understand me, just because you see something that you find attractive, and this isn't just about interpersonal relationships between men and women, this is also just things that the world says that you should go after. I mean, how many times have you set out to follow God and to do his will and all of a sudden it's like, squirrel, and you're done, right? It wasn't that they just saw. It's always the second look, right? It wasn't that they're just walking by the department store and saw it. It was like they saw it and then, right? Am I with, are you with me? And then they went and took. And so here's what they multiplied. They multiplied takers. 
They multiplied takers that had the mentality of, if I want it, I take it. And so what's the basis there? This is the craziness of the culture that we're living in. And I'm just highlighting it because it infiltrates into the church so easy because you are bombarded with it every day. What our culture says is if you're attracted to it, if you feel it, take it. It's yours. Take what you choose. The problem with that is if you take something that you choose that I believe is mine or is wrong. And that's just the craziness of our culture. But what I want you to see, it was in Genesis 6 too. Man, they ain't changed. And then the Bible says this, it grieved God to his heart. Now, it's hard for us to understand God and fathom God, again, because we're not God. He's completely other than us. But I want you to understand something. The Bible says over and over again that God has emotions. And the reason why we know that is because we have emotions and we're created in his image. But it's crazy because the future is not just something God knows about. It's somewhere he is. And so you read this, you're like, hold up. How can God be sorry? He knew this was going to happen. I mean, God knew this was the outcome when he created us. God knew that evil was going to be the intentions. If he regretted it, then why did he do it? And the Bible is not trying to get our minds like bent on this space-time continuum of how all that works, because we don't know. Here's what we're saying. God can know the future, be in the future, but still be grieved by it when it comes. And I think that's important to know Because what that means is there are things in my life that can grieve God. And here's what I want you to think. Are you multiplying the things in your life that grieve God's heart? Are you multiplying the things in your life that grieve God's heart? Because here's what I know. We're all multipliers. It's not a question of if. It's just a question of what. And the only way I can relate this is to myself personally. And I said this to you last week. One of the things that really helped me understand that I need to be better and be fruitful is when we had kids. When there's many me's running around, I don't want to multiply my lack of fruitfulness in them. But it's not a question of if I'm multiplying. It's just a question of what. This last week, Pastor Chad and I, who's our Jasper campus pastor, and and one of our guys from our team and the guy that's going to plant a church in Augusta, hopefully, uh, on Wednesday this last week, we went to a one-day conference called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we're sitting in that that thing, just talking about our own emotional health. And then as we're talking, we're all realizing, dang, we're not emotionally healthy. And, And then, and then somebody asked a question about getting this into our churches. And the the pastor of that who was leading, he said, the worst thing that you can do is go back into your church and start a program. He said, the best thing that you can do is you become emotionally healthy and then you'll naturally multiply yourself. And then I looked at that and I thought, hey, if our church is emotionally unhealthy, it's because I am. Because I can teach what I know, but I reproduce what I am. As the great theologian from Remember the Titans movie said, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. I used to love that quote till I became a leader. Any leader out there know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't want to lead anymore. Because I'm leading something that's going to multiply something that I don't know if I necessarily want multiplied. 
But again, the solution is not to not multiply. The solution is to just make sure what we're multiplying is actually blessed by God, is actually fruitful. So we, we left that thinking, you know, I really work on my own emotional healthiness. And so I stand before you today, again, confessing and repenting. I have no problem doing this. There are things in my life that need to change. And the best way for them to change in the church is for me to look in the mirror and deal with the evil that I see. Because you want to know what Genesis 6 is a precursor for? The flood. This is right before the flood. So let's deal with that for a second. Again, not all the theological ramifications of that, but have you ever thought, have you ever looked at on the world today and you saw evil? Like you don't even have to debate. You can be on the opposite ends of a political spectrum, but you're going to agree, hey, this is evil. You ever look at evil in the world today and you think, why in the world does that multiply? And have you ever thought this? Let's be honest. God, how can you let that happen? How can you let that evil happen? We look at that and we're humans and we think, God, why don't you just take those people out? Again, we look at the atrocity of the Holocaust and say, God, why didn't you take Hitler out? You know what I would say that God, one thing God would say to that is, I did that once. I took everybody out. And that's not the solution. I think another thing God would say is, okay, if we're going to take out evil people, does that include you? I mean, let's think about it. Because if we're taking out evil people, who's in that category? Everybody else but you? Because if everybody else is in that category but you, guess what? You're in somebody else's category. So at what point is God going to stop taking out evil people? There's two ways we know evil exists. The internet and the mirror. Look in the mirror, man. And see, you want to know the greatest problem in the church is the church keeps thinking that the evil's out there and has failed to understand that the evil is in here. Because let's be honest, it's probably only been this last week that you've asked God to take somebody out on your behalf. <laughs> Am I right? It's probably happened in the parking lot this morning. You weren't pointing them to Jesus. I mean, how quickly does that happen? So if God's going to take out evil people, you better be the first one at the line and saying, God, it's me. So the solution, here's what I want you to see. The solution is not God wiping out the evil people. Because he'd have to wipe out all people. The solution is multiplying something different. Look at verse seven and eight. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. That's a reference to the flood. But then look at verse eight. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah, but Noah. Sounds very familiar to my most favorite phase in the Bible. But God, but God, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. But here's what I want you to see. All the but God moments 
don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in a person. See, you get Noah because God didn't give up on humanity. God said, I want to multiply something better. I want to multiply, not evil, but I want to multiply favor. Because see, it says, but Noah found favor. It's not like Noah was looking for it, by the way. It found him. And favor is simply another biblical word of saying grace. So grace found Noah. And when grace found Noah, Noah found grace. Chicken or the egg? Yes. And it says, in the eyes of the Lord. I want to point this out. The word there, I, can refer to oho, all right? It can refer to I, but it also can refer to fountain. Here's what's so cool. You can read it like this, but Noah found favor in the fountain of the Lord. What is the fountain? Now think Jesus. Jesus said, I have living water. Whoever comes to me will no longer thirst anymore and will have a spring of living water. What is that? Grace. So here's the solution. The solution is not to take out all the people who are multiplying evil. The solution is to take the people who are evil, give them grace, and make them alive now in Christ, and now connected to the fountain of God through which the grace comes to them, and then it goes through them to the world. That is the solution. So, so here's what I want you to see. The solution is you and I have a but God moment. The solution is not, let's try to take out everybody who's multiplying evil. The solution is no, let's us connect to the fountain of living water and let's make sure we're multiplying blessing. Because the more blessing we multiply, naturally the less evil will exist. I love it like this. It's attributed to JFK, but it was actually a pastor who said it, Edmund Burke. I have it here on the screen. One of my favorite quotes is this. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Don't miss the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Now, he's a pastor, so he understands there are no good men. Only God can make men good. And God... When he makes them good, he wants them to stand up and do something. And what he wants them to stand up and do is to multiply the blessing that he gave to them. So again, the solution is not, let's step back and just ask God to come and judge the world again. And don't mis misunderstand me, he will, this time not with water, but with fire, the Bible says that. But in between those times, the solution is not to cower back as a church and just gripe about how evil the world is. The solution is to understand that evil exists in here, to let Jesus eradicate that, and then to multiply into the next generation the grace that we've received. Because the more grace that is multiplied, the less evil in the world there will be. And that's what we misunderstand. And so when we start talking about multiply as a church, I want you to get this. The solution is not as a church to just huddle back. The solution is to step into the darkness with the light. 
Not to complain about how dark it is, but to go out into the darkness with the light because the good news is the darkness has to flee. But the only way darkness is going to be perpetuated is if everybody, people, people that have the light just keep it under their own little basket. You see how all the Bible comes together? The solution is for you to have a but God moment so that then God could say about you, but Noah. But Jason, you put your own name in there. But Chris, but Ashley, but Steve, but Mark, but James. I don't, I don't know what your name is. I ain't got time to do them all, all right? But you get the point. The reason why evil is perpetuated is because it first exists in us and then we multiply it. And the only way to eradicate it is to make sure that what we're multiplying is the fruitfulness that God's grown in us. So my solution as a dad is to recognize my own emotionally unhealthiness. And again, I've recognized it. And this is the beauty of community. You want to know how self-awareness works? Self-awareness is not the fruit of self. Anything that starts with the word self is not the fruit of you. So self-control doesn't come from you. The Bible says it comes from the spirit. Self-awareness doesn't come from you. You want to know where it comes from? Others. You say, well, I'm self-aware. Okay, well, just go home and ask your family if there's anything that you're multiplying that's not healthy. Because they know. And they will tell you if you ask. And this is the chance. Listen to me. It's, this is where I laugh. It's almost like God gave us a spouse for this very reason. But ladies in the house, listen to me. Don't you go home today and try to make your husband self-aware. You first and foremost start with yourself and say, hey, husband, what am I not aware of? <laughs> and don't read this as like, yeah, it was man who multiplied. It was man who multiplied. The men find them daughters attractive. Back up. Because if we're going to go there, you ate the fruit first. <laughs> we all in the same boat. All right, no judgment. But you see what I'm saying? Evil is perpetuated if you keep thinking it's out there and not in here. When God said that in every intention of his heart, he was talking about yours. And so self-awareness comes from when we ask others, man, what is it that I'm not seeing? They're called blind spots for a reason because you don't see them. And so that needs to start in the house of God. Where the people of God quit throwing stones out there and they start looking inward and say, man, what is it? What evil am I currently perpetuating? See, again, when we talk about giving, again, listen, I understand every time I talk about giving, you talk about money, everybody gets funny. But let me, let me, let me couch it to you like this. You want to know why I talk to you about giving? Is because I don't, want to, I don't want you to multiply into your kids a taker mentality. Because you can tell your kids they should give, but they will watch you. And if you multiply into your kids a taker mentality, then you will multiply the seagulls of Nemo. Yeah. 
that just walk around the world and think, mine, 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 mine. That's what you're going to multiply. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of what. I don't know about you, but I don't want to multiply into my kids the heart of a taker. I want to multiply into my kids the heart of a giver, the heart of a builder, not the heart of a terror downer. I want to multiply into my kids that they look at other people and they understand they are not above them, but they are just like them and they struggle with the same things. And because God has been gracious to them, they want to come up underneath others and be gracious in the same way. I want to multiply that. And when we multiply that into the heart of our kids, watch out world. How many times have you seen this? A really rich family will work really hard to make a lot of money and pass it on to their kids. And then those kids become spoiled. They didn't work for it. They just took it. And then the generation after them is worse than them. Almost always the wealth is lost in the second or third generation. Build a lot, give it to your kids. They're going to trash it. Or you can build a lot, show your kids how to be good stewards of it and be generous with it. And then you're multiplying kingdomness into your kids. See, it's about raising kingdom kids, not worldly kids. See, this gets real in a hurry, doesn't it? And you want to know why as a church we're talking about being fruitful and multiplying? It's not because we want a bigger church. It's because we want less evil. We want less evil. We want less wickedness. I want some but Noah moments in my life where God found favor in some people. And then they started multiplying a new world. Because right after the flood, what is it that God tells Noah? Look at it, Genesis 9, 1 and 7, we're done. And God blessed Noah. It's going to sound real familiar to you. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and what? Multiply. Fill the earth. Verse 7, I love this. And you. Noah, just in case you forgot, I'm talking to you. Noah, you and you be fruitful, multiply, increase greatly on the earth. And just in case you forgot what I said, multiply in it. My friends, listen to me. I have my own emotional unhealthiness that I don't want to be multiplied. I want our church, my family, to be emotionally healthy. And that just simply starts with me understanding that I'm a multiplier. It's not a question of what. It's just a question of if. No, I got that backwards. It's not a question of if. It's late, man. It's a question of what? Or was I trying to trick you? You'll never know. 
But as a church, we want to multiply, multiply the kind of people that have been blessed by God, are fruitful in every area, and then multiply that. So that's the mission and vision of our church, and that's the mission and vision of each one of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for not only blessing us, but when we took your blessing and we did with it what we wanted to do, we took it because we chose. Thank you that you didn't leave us with simply judgment and consequence. But because you loved us, you sent your son, the word, to create a new world into the world that we had just messed up. And he took our punishment. He took the consequences of our own multiplying wickedness and evil. And he took it to the grave. But he came back to life again. And he's alive right now. Saying to anybody, come. I'll bless you. I'll make you fruitful so that you can multiply. And so God, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, we pray that you would open up their eyes. Nobody looking around or talking as we close, if you've never trusted Christ, The best thing about the gospel is you don't have to make yourself good. You just have to admit that you're evil. And God will make you alive. He will bring new life. He'll forgive your sins. And he'll make you fruitful. And that's why we call it receiving. You don't have to take anything. Just receive. We'll talk more about this next week, but God wants to give to you. And so if that's you right there where you are, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray and trust Christ, not out loud, but you can pray with me. And it's simply a confession. It goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. I confess my own evil and I believe in Christ. Would you save me? Forgive me? I'm trusting in him alone 
that you raised from the dead. Now, if that's you, again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just prayed to trust Christ, very simply, would you lift your hand up so we can see that? Just lift it up. Thank you. Lift it up just for a second. Man, it's the best day of your life. We got men and women going to walk around, put a gift in your hands, a Bible from us. When you get that, you can put it down. But then all of us, whether you just prayed to trust Christ or you trusted Christ years ago, the question is not if you are multiplying, but what? Because you will multiply. But by God's grace, you don't have to multiply the things that grieve him. You can multiply fruitfulness and blessing. But it's, it starts with you admitting and confessing, man, there's some things in me. I don't want to multiply into my kids. I don't want to multiply into my place of business or my family, my church. And you may feel like, man, I'm the only one in my family that knows Jesus. Well, guess what? God placed you there strategically for you to be like Noah, for God to bring a new world into your family through you. For God to bring a new world into your workplace through you. For God to bring a new world into your school through you. God wants to multiply blessings not only to you, but through you. And man, I'm telling you, there is nothing like seeing what God has grown in you multiplied into somebody else. Nothing is greater than watching your kids walk with Jesus. But it's meant to be multiplied way beyond just our family, into our workplace and the church and into the world. God, thank you again. Thank you for the unique opportunity that we have as a local church here in Georgia to not only be fruitful, but to multiply that. And God, we want to multiply givers. We want to multiply blessers, not takers, not evil. Would you help us do that in Jesus' name? Amen.